Why is China hacking into U.S. Defense Department computers? Is it time for the GOP to abandon the war or stay for more? And we'll talk about the ironies of Scripture. You know, like the way to save your life is to lose it. What does that really mean? This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. The search is working, sir. Just it is said. working. No, not apparently. It's working. It's working because we've got a great general, we've got a good strategy, and Bar Province, things have improved. That's Senator John McCain. He's running for President of the United States. Last night in the debate, he critiqued Mitt Romney, who said... The surge is apparently working. McCain said, no, the surge is working, and it has to work. We have to stay the course. Here's the question today. Should we stay the course in Iraq till it's finished, or is it time to cut and run? We'll talk about what other candidates said. But Sam Brownback was asked if he believed in a constitutional amendment to preserve marriage between a man and a woman, did he support a gay marriage ban in the Constitution? And the reason is, is this is a foundational institution. It is a foundational institution. So, Brownback said, yes, I support a ban on gay marriage. And about half the crowd booed, and about half the crowd applauded at a Republican debate. What does this mean for the Republican Party? Is it about New Hampshire, live free or die, or something else? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the elephant in the room that wasn't there was former Senator Fred Thompson. Instead, he was on Jay Leno, and he was criticized for not being at the debate. He announced today, and actually last night, his candidacy for President of the United States. And here he is on Jay Leno saying why he chose The Tonight Show. It's a lot more difficult to get on The Tonight Show than it is to get into a presidential Exactly, exactly, all right. Okay, Jay Leno felt flattered, I think, about that. All that sound um, from the debate coming from Fox News and then, of course, The Tonight Show. Well, we're also later on the show going to talk about the ironies of Scripture. In order to save your life, you must lose it. Have you ever thought about those kind of Scriptures we'll talk about Uh, Those and other scriptures halfway through the hour. But there's breaking news on the defense front. 
The Financial Times reported Monday that the People's Liberation Army hacked into computer systems in the office of Defense Secretary Robert Gates in June. The attack forced officials to take down the network for more than a week. What is going on with China? Similar reports about them hacking into computers in Germany. Also in Great Britain. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what do we make of China? Is China our friend? Is China an adversary? With us to talk about it, Bill Gertz. He's defense and national security reporter for the Washington Times. And he's written a book, The China Threat, How the People's Republic Targets America. Welcome back to the program, Bill. Hi, good to be with you. All right, Bill. What do we make of this story? Do you believe China indeed hacked into Pentagon computers. Yes, not just China, but the Chinese military. And this is a growing problem that uh, a lot of our political leaders are uh, very reluctant to take a look at. You know, um, just uh, the other day in Australia, President uh, Bush was asked about whether he was going to raise this issue in his meeting with President Hu Jintao. And uh, he said, well, I may. And then he went on to explain we've got a very complex relationship with China. Following the meeting today, actually uh, yesterday there, um, some White House officials were asked, did the president raise this? And the answer was the matter did not come up. This is a big mistake. Uh, It's sending the wrong signal to China that the U.S. doesn't care about the Chinese military hacking into our Pentagon systems. And this is a growing problem. Um, it's not simply that they've gotten into these unclassified networks at uh, uh, the Pentagon. They've also hacked into uh, an Air Force computer in Texas and where they stole thousands of personnel records on Air Force personnel, which would be valuable in uh, espionage recruitments. Uh, they've also broken into the, the National War College in Washington, D.C., their computers, uh, and also the Naval War College up in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. Now, Bill, um, some time ago we gave China the most favored nation trade status, and and in spite of their uh, religious oppression, um, but now, I mean, this reaches a new level, I think, of hostility, doesn't it? And it, in fact, uh, Der Spiegel is reporting that they hacked into Chancellor Merkel's um, computers in Germany. I'm seeing... Um, Tech News World reports that they've uh, gone into Great Britain's uh, computers at Whitehall, the defense ministry. Do you believe that those attacks are also uh, can be verified? Yes. Uh, like I say, this is a growing problem, um, and the, the problem is that the Chinese military uh, is very st- is steeped in the art of deception. Um, this is the big problem. We have a big debate uh, in our government. Uh, one side of the debate is pro-business, says let's ignore all of the threats from China and let's just do business with them, and that, that will have a modifying effect on them. And the other side is uh, people like myself and security-conscious uh, officials say we've got to do something to uh, reduce the danger of the growing threat from China. And the threat is this, simply. Um, they have a Marxist-Leninist, uh, they're a nuclear-armed communist dictatorship that has given up uh, Marxist economics, but hasn't given up its political system. So you have a, a an inherent contradiction that is going to spell disaster not too far down the road. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking about the fact that the Chinese military hacked into U.S. Pentagon 
uh, computers not long ago. We're speaking with Bill Gertz. He wrote an article back in July about the FBI director, Robert Mueller, saying that Chinese intelligence operations against the United States are a major problem. You were a prophet at that time, I think. And let me ask you this. Uh, going back to January, we see that the Chinese were testing um, the capacity, really, to shoot down satellites. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this uh, is another one of those very, very worrying signs from China, uh, the other being their increased uh, computer warfare capability. Um, in January, the Chinese tested uh, what they call an anti-satellite weapon, and that is they fired a missile from a mobile launcher, it went into space, and it was guided to a, uh, a Chinese weather satellite where it rammed into it and destroyed it. Um, this, is a, this is a major provocative step of uh, weaponizing space, something that uh, overtly the Chinese have been opposing. So again, it, it, it was the most visible example of the duplicity on the part of the Chinese. On the one hand, they've been advocating uh, an agreement or a treaty at the U.N., uh, banning the use of uh, space for, for military purposes and weapons, and then at the same time secretly developing uh, the capability to shoot down satellites. And they're doing this with ver one specific goal, to be able to uh, knock out the communications, the guidance, and the intelligence capability of the U.S. military in a future conflict. All right, Bill, that's all the what. Now I want to talk about the why, because it seems to me from the time that Nixon went to China to the first President Bush, who really embraced China, Clinton, and now the current President Bush, we've been opening our arms to China, but it seems like they're more and more adversarial. What is their motivation? Is this about Taiwan, or is this about some long-term uh, adversarial conflict uh, that they mean to have with the United States of America? Uh, it's the latter. Uh, the Chinese uh, publicly say we want to be friendly. Our rise is not uh, a threat to anyone. But when you look at their uh, Communist Party and military writings, you see a different picture. And that picture is that they view the United States as their main enemy. They want to push the United States out of Asia, and they want to dominate the region uh, which is uh, one of the most vital economic centers in the world today. And they want every nation in Asia to be able to go to Beijing before they do anything. Um, the U.S. is, again, not doing enough to counter this. We've been lulled by the deception, which is a, you know, a major strategic deception program on the part of the Chinese government to play down the, the threat from China. And uh, it's going to take uh, a lot more attention to this problem to get people uh, aware of it. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Bill Gertz. He's the author of a book, Treachery, How Americans' Friends and Foes Are Secretly Arming Our Enemies. Bill, I have to ask you this because Hillary Clinton is the front runner, the Democratic side, uh, for president. Uh, you have written, I think, about the Clintons transferring technology over to China. Do you have concerns about a second Clinton presidency? Absolutely. Um, it was under uh, Sandy Berger, uh, who was Clinton's national security advisor, that... Uh, uh, U.S.-China policy took a turn for the worse, and uh, basically uh, all the controls and the, the security concerns were subordinated to doing business with China. And uh, uh, we saw, uh, you know, back in uh, in '96, how the Chinese government was backing the the Clinton administration re-election effort, and uh, that uh, also followed their continued conciliatory trade policies. Again, this whole notion that. 
uh, we should just give everything to the Chinese and not worry about them. Um, the Bush administration has been a little bit better, but unfortunately a lot of their policies have, have followed that same pattern. This this notion if you simply trade with them, it will have a modifying influence. It's not. It's, it's strengthening their military, and they're tightening the political controls rather than uh, moving towards political reform. All right, Bill, help us out with another headline today. I'm looking at the BBC. Syria fires on Israeli warplanes. What's that about? A uh, very hot zone over there. Um, uh, the Syrians and the Israelis are, are, have been very close to uh, a, a conflict over there, uh, mostly related to Lebanon and, and uh, support for the Hezbollah movement in Lebanon, which has been behind uh, a lot of attacks. Um, this is a tinderbox region of the world. Um, let's hope that uh, they can work out their differences mm-hmm. and not end up uh, getting into a shooting war. Bill Gertz is defense and national security reporter for the Washington Times. He's written the book Treachery, How Americans' Friends and Foes Are Secretly Arming Our Enemies. Bill, thank you for being with us again. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, uh, this is a troubled world where we live. And uh, we are still at war in Iraq. And last night, the Republican candidates for president were debating the Iraq War. And one of the candidates is Ron Paul from Texas, and he believes the conservative position, he believes the Republican position ought to be to withdraw. Here's Ron Paul. The war has not gone well one bit. Yes, I would leave. Uh, I would leave completely. Why leave the troops in the region? It was the fact that we had troops in Saudi Arabia was the re- one of the three reasons given for the attack on 9-11. All right, from China to Syria to Iraq. Uh, This is a mixed-up, violent world. Who do we trust? And uh, what should we be doing? And when you hear Ron Paul say, hey, let's get out of Iraq, because one of the reasons for 9-11 is because we were over in Saudi Arabia. And um, one of the questioners said, you know, are you letting al-Qaeda dictate policy? If they say one of the reasons... We attacked you is because you were over on the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, let's talk about that. What should be the Republican, what should be the American strategy in Iraq? To stay the course or to cut and run? You can call us at 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. We'll talk about the war in Iraq and the social issues in the debate last night. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. If the surge is working, then we're going to be able to start bringing back our troop level slowly but surely and play more of a support role over time. That's Mitt Romney, the Mormon candidate for president. He's the former governor of Massachusetts. And uh, he said, if the surge is working, if the surge is working, and uh, John McCain, Senator John McCain, seized upon that equivocation and said, wait a minute, the surge is working. The surge is working, sir. Just it I is said. working. No, not apparently. It's working. It's working because we've got a great general, we've got a good strategy, and Bar Province, things have improved. All right, here's the question. Uh, as I'm talking to a lot of folks around the country, they're very tired of the war. They're very uh, uneasy about the continuing conflict, and a lot of people feel like it's time to bring those soldiers home. And the question is, should the Republican Party be talking about withdrawal timelines and dates and a strategy of bringing folks home? Or should they be talking about staying till the job is done? The number is 800-881-9270. Congressman Ron Paul of Texas was very clear last night. He said, bring them home now. Don't leave anyone there. Let's withdraw now. Somewhere in the middle was Mitt Romney. Uh, he said, well, let's see if the surge is working, and uh, let's only bring them back, you know, uh, once we see that, you know, we can do it. But there were others that were very clear, uh, Rudy Giuliani, John McCain, that we need to stay the course and finish the job. What do you think? The number is 800-881-9270. We've got Bob on the line. Bob, what do you think? Dr. Johnson, we should uh, stay the course and finish uh, the job on uh, the Iraqi uh, people that uh, want to destroy America and uh, show that uh, Iran that we will not back down because if we don't stay the course, we show the uh, Islamic people, the radical Islamic people, that we are cowards. And Ron Paul just shows one thing, that as a young youngster at an early age, you uh, sniff glue and uh, that kind of stuff, you show that you're nothing but one thing, a stupid idiot. Okay, Bob. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, let's listen to Ron Paul once again. Here he's commenting on Senator Fred Thompson coming into the race. He will help dilute the, uh, the vote for my benefit because he will be pro-war, and I'm the anti-war candidate rep representing the Republican traditional position. All right, Ron Paul says he's the anti-war candidate. Now I want you to remember the Sunday Dallas Morning News this week. Did you see this headline? I've got it in my hand. Seventy Afghan militants are killed. Seventy militants killed in Afghanistan. Uh, obviously, our soldiers uh, rooting out the terrorists and the evildoers there. Here's another headline. Katie Couric, going over to Iraq, says, We're making real progress. Real progress. What do you think of that? Here's another headline from the Dallas Morning News. General says, surge gains seen in Iraq. Number two U.S. commander warns against premature departure. What do you think for the Republicans? And more than that, more important than that, what do you think about this for America? For America, because generally, on the Democrat side, all of them are saying, we need to get out. We need to get out now. We need to announce some deadlines and some timetables. We've got Bob on the line from Corinth. Bob, what do you think? 
Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, I was I was military a long time ago. I wish I was young enough to go there now. Uh, but I wish I, I hope we I hope we stay the course. Look at all the young men that are going for two and three tours over there because they believe in it. Well, you're right, Bob. Uh, the soldiers heavily in favor of sticking it out, staying the course till the job is done. We've got Jay on the line from Carrollton. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, uh, as far as a uh, you know a, a definite timeline saying we'll pull out at this certain time, I think it's a really bad idea because I think of my three-year-old son, and if I'm telling him not to do something and I add, I'm only going to tell you this three more times, then I'm going to give up, he won't do anything. I just think that's going to send a message that, you know, we're only in this as long as we want to be, and we're not going to really stay the course to make sure we get what we originally wanted accomplished. Yes, it really is not the U.S. military way to go into the battle and to pull out before the job is done. Uh, when America says we're going to do something, I think it's it's a good thing for us to follow through. Otherwise, the evildoers, wherever they might be, are going to say, Look, when the going gets tough, they'll pull out. Uh, we've got Brian on the line from Garland. Brian, thank you for calling. What's your view? Uh, I just feel like if you know if we were to pull out now, it just it just shows that that we won't honor commitments and and anything if if we're gonna if we're gonna pull out in something we have so much vested in. Mm. You know. Well, and there's so many people over there who have risked their lives uh, to support the new government. If we pull out, we're going to see the kind of carnage that we saw in Vietnam when we pulled out, and there are going to be hundreds and thousands of people slaughtered. We're going to see a kind of genocide uh, that uh, liberals are always whining about and crying about in Darfur or Somalia or other places. And uh, I think it's a huge mistake for us to pull out before there's some real law and order in that region. We've got Daniel on the line from Sanger. Daniel, what's your view? Um, yes, um, my view is to state the cause. And stayed there because the Democrat, they always back it out on. Uh, they can handle the, the pressure. Every time something comes up about the war or something like that, they want to back out. And we should stay the course, no matter what the situation. If we leave right now, then the Taliban is going to get in there. Al is going to get in there, and then we might have to go back again and and, and waste more money. And we just we just just to stay the course, and that's it. Hey, thank you, Daniel. Thanks for that call. Folks, you're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking about the war in Iraq. We're talking about the presidential debate last night. Some of the candidates saying, um, let's pull out now. That's what Ron Paul says. Others saying, let's stay the course until the job is done. What do you think? The number is 800 800- 881-9270, 800-881-9270. We've got Brian on the line from Carrollton. Brian, what do you think? Yes, Jerry Johnson. Thank you for taking my call. I think we should pull out. I think it's a big mistake to go over there in the first place. But I think um, before we pull out or during we pull out, we need to eliminate Iran's military. Because if we pull out, Iran's going to take over. And, well, uh, I'm surprised, Brian. It's going to be another Vietnam. Sure. Uh, you can't civilize these people. They're barbarians. And uh, to bring them. Oh, we lost Brian. But he made several points. Brian said, I think we need to pull out. 
Brian said we shouldn't have gone over there in the first place. But then it was very interesting to me that Brian said, before we go, let's attack Iran. And uh, you rarely hear that kind of, of, of talk from someone who wants to pull out of Iraq, but let's attack Iran. What do you think of that, folks? The number is 800-881-9270. Is there an inconsistency in that? I thought Brian made another very interesting point. He said these people are not civilized. And I have asked this question again and again on this program, and that is this. If democracy and Sharia law are compatible, are we mistaken to think that we can actually prop up democracies in these Muslim-dominated countries? Will it be democracy that is compromised or the Islamic culture that is compromised? I guess we'll see. we got Sunshine on the line from Garland. Sunshine, thank you for calling. Should we cut and run or stay the course? We need to stay the course because I believe that God has given the gift of service to the army, just like the gift of careers to other people like nurses, doctors. And I think the Democrats are just afraid of losing lives when it's not really, uh, it's a cowardice to do that. We need to uh, stay, to really stay there. And, uh, and the soldiers are really uh, running the race. And if someone uh, dies in the war, that is really an honorable service. Thank you, Sunshine, for that call. We've got time for one more caller. James on the line from Early Irving. James, thank you for calling. What's your view? Uh, well, I, coming from Iraq, I'm a former uh, soldier in Iraq. I just recently got through with my uh, last term, and I just I, I know what it's like there. And there is, there is definitely some good that is happening there, and change is happening. And it's just a slow process just like any war, and I think people just, we got to stay the course, because if we don't stay that course, and if we, if we pull out now, then what I did over there and what my friends have died for is us all in vain. James, thank you for your service. Let's go back to one of the great generals in American history, General Douglas MacArthur. Here's his counsel on finishing the job. Once war is forced upon us, There is no other alternative than to apply every available means to bring it to a swift end. War's very object is victory, not prolonged indecision. In war, there is no substitute for victory. General Douglas MacArthur, in war, there is no substitute for victory. War is not a good thing. It's an evil thing. But it is a necessary evil because of the problem of evil and sin and depravity. In fact, government is God's good gift to us to protect us from the worst of the worst. In 1 Peter 2.14, we're told of the kings and the governors. And what is their job? They are those who are sent by God for the punishment of evil doers. And I want to tell you, the Islamo-fascists, the Islamo-terrorists, they are evil doers, and they mean to do us harm. And we should thank God for our military men and women who are protecting us from those evil doers. When we come back, the ironies of Scripture. How do you save your life? The Bible says you lose it. What in the world does that mean? We'll be right back with some ironies from Scripture.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Jesus said, if you save your life, you lose it. And if you lose your life, for my sake, for the kingdom, you save it. One of the ironies of Scripture. Have you ever been reading the Bible and you say, wait a minute, uh, I, I thought it said this, but it says that. Well, we're going to talk about some of the ironies of Scripture with Dr. Anthony Esselin, Tony Esselin. He's written a book, Why Christianity Thrives on Irony. The title is Ironies of Faith, Irony and Paradox in Christian Literature. Dr. Esselin, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. All right. Talk to us about this concept of irony in the Bible. Is that uh, something we see in the Koran or other um, books? Well, I don't know about I don't know about the Koran. <laughs> uh, I don't. Uh, Is it I, unique I, to Christianity? I guess that would be my question. I, you know, I, I, I wasn't going to make that claim in in the book because it would have required uh, a lot of reading that I didn't feel like doing for for the book. To be honest with you. <laughs> Um, Why but, is uh, it important to the Christian faith? I guess that would be the better question. I think it is central, and I think we can include Judaism in this, because the, yes. the kinds of ironies that I'm, I'm talking about in Scripture um, really do begin all, all, all the way in Genesis. I mean, why should the father of our faith be uh, an old nobody from a very sophisticated place in the Chaldees who is told by God to, to leave that sophisticated place and, and take his, his family and his flocks and all that, and go in the middle of nowhere, uh, out someplace, somewhere or other, to a land that I will show you, and I'll make a great nation of you. Um, the, it's the, Abraham is, is, is the um, last person in the world we, we would expect to be um, the father of a great nation, and yet he becomes that father of a great nation by his faith, and, um, and this pattern we see, we've seen it already before Abraham, but we see it all throughout uh, the scriptures. Well, let's talk about uh, Jesus. Uh, was he probably the ultimate in uh, throwing out these uh, ironies or paradoxes? I, I think I think that he not only did that in his preaching, but but in his very person, in his life, um, he's the Messiah that all the Jews should have expected if they had been paying attention to the history of salvation as was revealed to them. But being worldly and uh, foolish, as all human beings are. Um, they they weren't expecting the one they should have been. Uh, they were expecting a political leader, uh, um, whatever, and and not the stone which the builders rejected. Mm. Not not the very person whom the prophets had had prophesied about. Not the suffering servant. Uh, Jesus, in his very person, um, is a reproach to to the world and all the world's values. Here's the man. Uh, even a secularist, even an atheist, would have to confess the single man um, uh, who has. Uh, changed the world more than any other, infinitely more than any other, in history. And he was a carpenter from Galilee who never wrote a single word. Um, that's ironic, and yet it's, 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 part of the, it's, it's the essence of the Christian, Christian revelation. That's, that is, in fact, how God works. Mm. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Dr. Tony Esselin. He's written the book, Ironies of Faith, Irony and Paradox in Christian Literature. Dr. Essel, let me ask you this, because it seems to me like the ultimate 
irony. You've talked about Jesus and his life, but what about his death? I mean, there was this sign on the cross, King of the Jews. And right under that sign, he's being crucified and he dies. Would you say that the cross is the, the climax of all of this? Well, it certainly is that great scandal and stumbling stone. Um, we preach Christ and Him crucified. Uh, it, it, the, you know, we could spend a lot of time un- unpacking the ironies of that scene. Pilate had that inscribed and the sign above the cross, thinking of it, I suppose, as a kind of jest. This here is the King of the Jews. Anybody else thinks he's the King of the Jews, pay attention because the same thing will happen to him. And yet, he was the King of the Jews not despite the fact that he was on that cross dying for us, but because of it. And he reveals, by dying on the cross, more about what real kingship is all about, real power, than, than the world on its own ever knows or ever can conceive. Pilate uh, wrote truer than he knew, and, and because he, did, he, he, he didn't understand Jesus, and he didn't understand the nature of tr- uh, true royalty and true power. Um, even, even Christians have a hard time, t- time with that. Do you have um, some favorite ironies from the Old or the New Testament uh, that would you just lay on us today? Oh, yes, absolutely. They're, they are all over the place. But um, m- maybe my favorite saying of Jesus is in the New Testament uh, is when he bursts out uh, with, uh, with, with a kind of a, uh, a joyful, at the irony of the Father, when he says, uh, I praise you, Father, uh, and give you glory, creator of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent of the world, and you have revealed them unto babes. Um, it's, it, it's of a piece with, with everything that Jesus is and everything that he preaches. Unless you become as one of these little ones, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And all at once it's revealed to us, to our great surprise, that all of you is meant to bring us back um, uh, to, to an innocence, uh, a childhood, maybe a childhood that we never really had before, to, to, uh, of all things. Um, I guess, I guess that, uh, that is, for me, is one of the central ironies of the whole Christian faith. Dr. Tony Eslin has written the book, Ironies of Faith, Irony and Paradox in Christian Literature. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Johnson. All right, folks, check out that book. It's fascinating. Jesus said, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And he said this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life For my sake, for the kingdom, will save it. What an irony. But uh, that is Christianity and the ultimate irony, the Son of God dying on a cross for your sin, for my sin, that we might be forgiven, that we might be cleansed, that we might be changed. And then being raised from the dead. He was seen by hundreds. And let me say to you, if you've never received Christ, you don't know if your sins are forgiven, you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. Uh, That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins and that he rose from the dead. And if you will turn to him, 
look to Him, believe in Him, and receive Him. You can be forgiven, and you can be changed. And I do want to make a contrast here with Islam. And I know that Dr. Eslin's book is not mainly about this, but I want you to think about this for a moment. I think this is part of the superiority of Christianity. When you think of Islam and Allah, for instance, Allah is a transcendent God. He's way out there. He's up there. When you think of Islam and you think of Allah, He's a just God. He's a kind of a holy God. He's pure. When you think of Allah and Islam, He's a God of wrath. When you think of Allah and Islam, He's one. He is one God, and that's that. But in Christianity, there's more. Think of this, the one true and living God of the Bible, who is not Allah, the one true and living God of the Bible, Jehovah, He is transcendent. He's out there, He's up there, but He's also imminent. He is Emmanuel, God with us. When you think of the God of the Bible, He's just, He's holy, but the Bible also says God is love. Our God is a loving God. When you think of the God of the Bible, He's a God, yes, of judgment, and yes, even wrath. But He is also a God of grace. Paul writes about Him as the God of grace, the God of all grace. And when you think of the God of the Bible, there is one God, one true and living God. But He exists. He has always existed as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so you have in Christianity, I think, and certainly in the Scriptures, uh, some ironies, some paradoxes. And that's, to me, part of the beauty of Christianity. The beauty of Christianity. Well, you may have heard, yesterday we devoted our show to the death of Dr. G. James Kennedy. Dr. James Kennedy, great Christian leader. And today we have word that the Italian tenor, Luciano Pavarotti, dies at age 71. Now, I don't know if you ever heard this singer. He was absolutely incredible in talent. You're going to listen to a little bit of him just now. I want you to listen to this man. This is his signature song. We're going to remember him when we come back. And you say, what in the world can you say about this in the Christian worldview? Well, come back and you'll see.
If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. Luciano Pavarotti dies at age 71, the son of a singing baker. He had a charismatic personality, if you ever saw this man sing. That was his signature song, Nesun Dorma. It was the last song he would ever sing. He sang it at the Winter Olympics, February 2006. If you uh, maybe saw the Three Tenors concert, he was the big heavy guy. I always thought he looked kind of like... uh, Bluto or Brutus on Popeye, you know, his face, his look, he had that look. But he had an incredible talent, an incredible ability. Some have said the 20th century began with Caruso and ended with Pavarotti. Well, I don't know about that. But what could we make of this life and this death from the Christian worldview? I want you to listen to a couple of quotes from people uh, who were fans. This is Maggie Mikial. Misses his singing and his part in the Three Tenors. He will be a, a major loss to the music industry. He was a legend in, uh, in himself, and he will be one of the uh, missing parts to the uh, trio. All right, the Three Tenors. One of those tenors, Jose Carreras. He says he's grateful for the friendship he had with Pavarotti. For his extraordinary voice and his uh, uh, extraordinary, also charismatic personality. For the people that we had uh, the possibility to, 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 to be closer to him and to, to, to spend time with him. All right, he talked about friendship and he talked about this extraordinary voice. You had Pavarotti, you had Carreras, but you also had... Placido Domingo, if you remember him. And here's what he said, and I've got this quote right here I'm going to read. Quote, I always admired the God-given glory of his voice. That tenor range. Unmistakable, unmistakable, special. From the top up to the very tip-top of the tenor range, a god given glory of the voice. 
I'm teaching a course right now. We've talked about this course. In fact, tonight is the last night you could attend and still get into the class right here at Criswell College. In 30 minutes, we'll start it again. Christ and culture. We're talking about current issues from Christian perspective. We're talking right now about the image of God, human beings created in God's image. And it means many things, many things. And I've begun talking about those in the course. But I can tell you one of the things about human beings being created in God's image is that we are similar to God in that we have creative ability. We have the ability to make, to invent, yes, to speak and to sing and to perform and to glorify God like the stars, like the mountains, like the sea, like the plants, like the flowers, all give glory to God, glory to God. Human beings have an unusual ability, even non-Christians, to give glory to God as we are all image bearers of God. And, um, you know, Carreras talked about the friendship, the gift of friendship. The Bible says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, down from the Father of lights. And maybe you've lost a friend, or we've lost a great singer, and uh, we need to recognize these kinds of gifts, the gifts of friendship, this kind of a voice, it is a gift of God. It is a gift of God, and it, it displays God's glory. I had the privilege of hearing um, Luciano Pavarotti a few years ago, and it was an incredible experience. I heard him sing that song, Nesum Dorma, and uh, I was just overwhelmed with this guy's presence and his ability. There's another lesson, I think, from this life, and I want to go to a quote from John Melching. He's a fan of the singer. He said, I was surprised to hear of this death. Probably the best singer out there. Uh, I'm more more surprised that I heard nothing about his illness for a year. He was sick for a year, and I heard nothing about it. All right, I didn't hear much about it either. He had pancreatic cancer. It's a very painful way to go. But uh, he's dead. And that reminds us of that fact it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Hebrews 9.27, the Bible teaches that. We are all going to die. Someone said this way, uh, the statistics on death are pretty strong. One out of every one persons will die. And the Bible says life is a vapor. It's like a vapor. The prophet Amos says, prepare to meet thy God. Now, Jesus talked about people who said, well, tomorrow I'm going to do this, and the next day I'm going to do that. He said, don't boast of tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. You just talk about today, and if God wills, we'll go there and do this tomorrow or the next day. And there might be many people listening, and you say, you know, I've thought about becoming a Christian. I've thought about a relationship with Christ. I've thought about settling this, but I, I'm going to wait till later. I'm going to wait till I'm older. I'm going to wait till I'm nearly dead. Or I'm going to wait uh, till just a, a better time. Uh, like that man in the New Testament who said, I'm going to wait for a more convenient season. But in fact, we do not know. And we cannot presume. And that's why the Bible says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. And the Old Testament says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, I don't know that much about Pavarotti's uh, experience uh, spiritually. 
I don't know about his relationship with God. Really, only God knows that. But there are lessons to be learned from this life, and that is, whatever gifts we have, those are gifts which come from God. And there is an uncertainty. Man knows not his time. There is an uncertainty to this life, and there is a certainty that we will die, and we ought to be prepared for that moment. Well, this is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. I want to encourage you to tune in tomorrow. You know, today we listen to the Republican candidates talk about the war. But another half of that debate contained questions about abortion, about marriage, and about the personal private lives of presidential candidates. Tomorrow we're going to cover those topics. A lot of people saying out there, Oh, they just want to defeat Hillary Clinton, and they'll vote for anybody. Well, they would rally around Giuliani, if that's what it takes, even though he's pro-abortion and pro-homosexual marriage. And uh, we're going to talk with the president of Focus on the Family, the new president, Jim Daly, will be here tomorrow. And I'm in a mood also to talk about Baylor University. Here they go again now. Censorship of a personal website of one of their professors because that professor says on his private website he believes in intelligent design, that there was an intelligent designer for the cosmos. What a scandal that Baylor would have a professor that actually believes that someone designed the universe. I'm sure Judge Baylor is rolling over in his grave. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.